0: I went to a boarding school pre-internet, and we passed around tapes, Grateful Dead bootlegs, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Everybody right. there was living in like delayed '70s kind of reality, and we all disdained anything that was on the radio. We poo pooed it hard. We was like, "Oh, I can't believe it!" I had a roommate at boarding school who had a blacklight poster of Wham. <laughs> our first year, and I was like, "No." Because it just was not cool. Turns out she was very cool. She just liked Wham!
1: Hello Cleveland! Turn your speakers up to 11 because it's time for Too Much Effing Perspective, the podcast that asks musicians and entertainers to relive the most final tap moments when nothing seems to go right and everything gets kind of weird. I'm your host, Alan Keller, a comedy writer in L.A. and lead singer of the least heralded Chicago band, The Falling
2: Willendas. And I'm your co-host, Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for P.J. Harvey and lead singer of the least heralded Milwaukee band, The Vainglorious.
1: Our guest today is multi-Emmy award-winning actress, Julie Bowen, who played Claire Dunphy on ABC's long-running hit sitcom, Modern Family.
2: We're going to talk to Julie about the time she was supposed to film a sex scene on Jim Morrison's grave, her Mrs. Robinson thing for Harry Styles, and why Spinal Tap keyboardist Viv Savage is her kindred spirit.
1: So without further ado, let's go to the T.M.E.P. show. It really puts
0: perspective on things, doesn't it? Not yeah. too much. It's oh, too yeah. much of perspective now.
1: Now, Alex, you and I have two daughters. Not together, mind you, with our wives, Rachel and Lois. Uh, mine with my wife, yours with yours, as far as we know.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, as far, I just as far wanna as be clear. Uh, I just wanna be clear. Yeah, we got it, Alan. You know how weird yeah. things
1: are right now. Anyway, kids are a fertile source of spinal tap moments, don't you think? Oh, definitely. For example, I remember once being awakened at 6 30 in the morning by some serious knocking at our front door. It was the LAPD responding to an emergency call from our house and they were not smiling. Hmm. In fact, the street in front of our house was filled with black and whites. And I'm not talking about the cookie you get at Cantor's Deli because those are delicious. And they're actually, I think, more brown. than.
2: Alan, 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 you're easily sidetracked today. Come on.
1: I apologize. Anyway, when we turned around, there was my youngest, Gidget, probably 18 months old at the time, with a pacifier in her mouth, a breadstick in one hand, and the cordless phone in the other. Apparently, she had... Randomly dialed 911.
2: Precocious child.
1: Yes, she was. Fortunately, Gidget was ridiculously cute when she was a baby. Otherwise, she'd probably be the youngest orphan in San Quentin today.
2: Uh, Alan, I hate to add to our growing collection of poop stories, but I have twin daughters, and I am not going to name which of my twins, but one of them was sitting on the toilet one time. And all of a sudden realized that she had to throw up. So she turned around to throw up, but that did not preclude things coming out both ends, which they (laughs) did. And so she filled the toilet with puke, but sprayed the floor with other stuff. Fortunately, it was the middle of the night. I had to work the next day. So my understanding wife just sort of took care of everything. Perfect.
1: Perfect. Sounds like it's your own personal Ozzy Osbourne concert. (laughs)
2: Or G.G. Allen.
1: Allen. Yes, G.G. Allen. You're right. That's more appropriate. Fact is, kids add an element of chaos to our lives that can sometimes lead to insane outcomes. Like our guest today, Julie Bowen, she said that adding twins to her family was far more life-changing than being part of a hit television series. But I'm sure it doesn't pay as well.
2: Well, that's one effing perspective for you. I agree, being the father of twins. (laughs) But hey, this isn't about me. Let's get to our convo with Julie Bowen and let her tell us for herself. But first, listeners, if you are enjoying too much effing perspective, please do us a favor. Tell three people about it and invite them to listen. Making a recommendation to a friend, or three, is truly one of the most powerful ways you can help us to build the TMEP community. Now, we'll be right back after a short break. And now
1: a little chit-chat with one of the few actresses to have appeared on both Jeopardy and Who Wants to be a Millionaire, Modern Family's Julie Bowen. Okay, we're going to start out with two words, which I think exemplify a Julie Bowen Spinal Tap moment. Here it goes. Amy's orgasm
0: oh okay so it's on my imdb sounds like a porn it'd be a better story if it was a porn it really would but it's actually very sort of artsy artory it was about dating i had a small part in it where i go on a date and i fuck willie garson r.i.p willie oh, i know r.i.p willie i'll cry nice i'll cry miss him a lot it's one of the first times we ever worked together but we're friends ever since and it was called something else entirely like Hello, Dolly or you know whatever. It had a different name. And um, I end up getting cut out of the movie except for like I walk by in a scene or I'm sitting in an office in a scene or something. So I'm essentially an extra and it's on my IMDb. And when it gets released, it's called Amy's Orgasm. So for all intents and purposes, I'm a background in a non-porn porn.
1: That's, uh,
0: that's her <laughs> life story, I think, isn't it? That's sad. It was weird because I was like, I don't know who she talked to, but obviously she thought Amy's orgasm would be a like a catchier title. People still talking about it, but yeah. I don't even get to have sex with Willie Garson in it anymore. Here, uh, Let's say who Willie Garson is. Ah, uh, most well-known for his role in Sex and the City is Stanford Blatch, Sarah Jessica's gay bestie, but also on Suits and his IMDb, was at his funeral, it was like a total comedy show. It was page after page after page. It was a roast, really, and they made fun of him for being the guy who was still doing day-playing parts, but he was a phenomenal actor, a phenomenal friend, and I I miss him. To Willie. To Willie. But he did not spontaneously combust (laughs) like a drummer. (laughs) Yeah. Thank
1: you for bringing it back. Julie, I'm going to constantly get away from Spinal Tap to Alex's chagrin, so you'll bring us back, okay?
0: Oh, because I, I rewatched. I Am Prepped. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had not watched it in so long.
2: <laughs> so, what is your favorite scene from This Is Spinal Tap, and why?
0: The lyrics of <laughs> Squatting Your Pea Patch. What's the song? Sex bar, sex, sex Farm. Sex Farm. Um, I had to stop and look up just the lyrics while I was watching it again, that was one of the hardest laughs I've ever had. Get
1: out my Plowing your for. bean fields it's and poking like, your hay.
0: Poking your hay.
1: <laughs> were both things
0: also in Amy's orgasm? Were they right? <laughs> they may have been in, but they were cut out along with me. I remember the general arc of the story, and I rem- I oh, of course, I remember Stonehenge, and none more black, and it goes to eleven, like all those classic things. But the lyrics of Sex Farm. Took me to my knees. I could not stop laughing. And Michael McKeon, he was hot in that movie. Like, are you two both straight? Still early.
1: Still (laughs) early in my life.
0: (laughs) He is smoking hot in that movie. That horrible hair and everything. I was like, I have never registered that before either. How behind the, like, party perm and the crimp and crimp on hair that he has that goes around his face. He's sort of looking out and he's got that sweet skin and he's so earnest and his love affair with Nigel.
1: Well, are you really saying that he's hotter than Nigel? Because remember, Nigel turns uh, around and shows his tight pants and then they fake spank him.
0: <laughs> yeah, they go, boo, 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 with the, with the guitar, whatever it's called, on the neck,
2: yeah, the I'm
0: leg, the, 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 the arm neck, of the, the, the guitar. <laughs> The butt was an, was such a gimme. It was so obvious. It's like girls' boobs. But really, that isn't what does it for me. I like seeing the Michael McKeon. And when he's talking about how his girlfriend's going to come and she knows he eats too much sugar and he can hear it in her throat. He's so earnest. And I never realized
1: that his larynx is fat. His, his larynx? His larynx sounds fat. You know, he also married a beautiful woman. He married Annette O'Toole, Michael McKeon.
0: Annette O'Toole?
1: Yeah, that's who he's married to.
0: I did not know that. And I worked with him on Boston Legal a long time ago. Really? So we were in a courtroom, like one of those courtroom scenes. It lasts like it's only three days, but those are 12 hour days. You feel like you really get to know the person. I couldn't talk to him. This is my affliction. My affliction is I can't talk to people if I have a crush on them or like if they're my star crush. I cannot speak to them. Can't look at them. I stare at the floor and rock
1: like a... Ah, so that's why you stammered a lot around me when our kids were in preschool together. That
0: is true. When you're selling your (laughs) cashew cheese at the farmer's market, I look away. Yeah,
1: I was hot. Guy selling nut cheese, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) was it called Alan's Nut Butter or Alan's... uh...
1: (laughs) That's another product. We had a lot of product placement in Amy's Orgasm.
0: You're supposed to be bringing it back to Spinal Tap, not Amy's Orgasm, so... So it was not until much later that I kind of got in touch with the hairband music of the 80s, and I still didn't love it. Yeah. I did not love it. I wasn't into it.
2: A lot of it hasn't aged very well, although I will say that my first three concerts, number one was The Who on their first farewell tour.
0: Good. That's not a hairband. No, no, not a a hairband. He's working up
2: to it. He's working up to it. Got it. Number two was Black Sabbath. Black
0: Sabbath, Iron Man. Not
2: exactly a hair band. They were certainly pioneers in heavy metal. But instead of it being Ozzy Osbourne singing, it was Ian Gillen from Deep Purple who had a ton of hair. So um,
0: That's a lot of hair, but it's not really like a hair. It's not like the way I think of those like really structured haircuts.
2: Well, the opener was Quiet Riot. So definitely, you know, come on, feel the noise. So absolutely hair band. And by the way, this is all in Green Bay, Wisconsin. My third was Judas Priest, again, a metal pioneer with the band Great White opening, full-on hair band.
0: Oh, Great White before in in happier times.
2: In happier times.
0: Oh, you saw Great White prior to the To the great event in um, Providence, Rhode Island, wasn't it, at the living room?
1: Right. And you know what? Great White did not learn because they were one of the first bands to have a concert without masks during covid Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. They just wanna they just wanna kill everybody that ever liked them and
0: yeah, Oh I my do too. god. Wait a minute. Are you serious?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm serious.
0: Sorry, sorry. Let's hear about your hair bands.
2: Well, I was just gonna say that's full spinal tap too, because Great White has done that classic thing where they've actually split and there's two bands that kind of use the name Great White. Like one's the original singer and one's the original guitar player. They don't play together anymore, but both two are under Great White. That was the show that you referenced, Alan, didn't even have the original singer. It was Great White V 2.5.
1: No, it wasn't. It was Great White and then even Greater White Ah, because they were good marketers.
0: Is that true? Is Alan, are you just pulling this out of your butt? Do you know that? (laughs) No, I was just kidding. That was a
1: joke. But it's a good one. Is that what you're so surprised about that I had a good one?
0: No, just that like greater white, that would be a good, you know, you're right. I'm not great white. I'm greater white. I'm greater white. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, okay. I want to spin back to your original thing about sex farm because it's apropos to something. So there's two things I want to do in this interview. Slow down my speaking. Why? I'm going to change my laugh completely because I hate my laugh. So I'm going to be laughing like this today. Ha ha. Okay. Just so you know.
0: Uh, Anyway. Are you going to still say, though, sex farm, which makes it sound like the most innocent place ever? Like, you would do great in sex child trafficking because you'd be like, I'll go with you, you scary man in a a windowless white van. Because you're like, come on, get in my sex farm.
1: Can you hear that? Every time I say Chicago, I always say Chicago, but I don't fix any of the other ahs. So it's it's futile. But anyway, so Julie and I know each other from preschool. And her son, Oliver, was a classmate of my daughter, Gidget. That's right. And I remember very clearly that you said to Lois, Lois is my wife.
0: He married way above his pay
1: grade. I did. I did.
0: Okay. So I was pregnant and I said I couldn't get a job.
1: And then within a year, I think, you are starring in the biggest show on network TV. (laughs) Which is kind of similar to the trajectory of Spinal Tap. They're ready to hang it up. They don't think anyone wants them. Next thing you know, Sex Farm is charting in Japan, and they're back on top again. You always had a decent career, and I'm sure you didn't think you were never going to work again. But that was a pretty significant
0: turnaround, right? I always figured I'd work. You know, I'd always been a jobber. But that was a big fun one, and I was really grateful for it. And so the day the pilot got picked up, I was in labor and my oh, really? boss called. but I'm like, I gotta go. And I just pushed out two babies. And I'm like, you want to know what changed my life more? Three children in diapers, slots one, two and three. And then I would nod off in chairs and sit up and go to work and come back and do babies. So everything was kind of upside down and crazy. I don't think I necessarily got to have as much fun maybe as some of my co-stars who didn't have little babies there's a lot less going out i'll tell you that <laughs> that must have been tough imagine if all the guys in spinal tap show up in japan each one has two three babies and they have to take care of them like they can't just offload them on the wives of the girlfriends they actually have to deal with them it's like in the arms while playing the guitar <laughs> putting it to the side picking it up breastfeeding that is more of an accurate parallel
2: there's a bunch of things to unpack there. You know, we had a really fun conversation with Zia McCabe from the Dandy Warhols. Ah, and yes. And she and her husband took their baby on the road when the oh. child was still an infant. And they were both working, her performing him doing some production. So she would literally hand the baby to like a babysitter or the promoter's daughter or whoever had been brought in to provide childcare, do a shot of tequila, go up on stage to play for a couple of hours. So- We heard some great stories about mothering on the road.
0: Was she doing the pump and dump? When you've caved and you've had that drink and you know that all this liquid gold in your boobs, which are now to your knees, rock hard, you have to dump it because it's filled with liquor.
2: Yeah, I don't know about the dump part. but (sighs) Yeah, uh,
0: right. Yeah, you got to pump and dump. (laughs) If you have that drink, you're like... Oh, no. Although they, do, some people do say, well, just drink beer. It's good for the babies. Well, of
2: course. We're from Wisconsin. We would absolutely agree with that. <laughs> I don't
0: know. <laughs> I never tried.
2: Julie, when you auditioned for the pilot, were you pregnant then? Did you show up for that audition with Spanx or it was fully known?
0: There was no hiding this. There was a regular baby-sized pregnancy and then another baby on top of that. I mean, <laughs> these twins were big. I, they just kept bringing me in for auditions and... It was heading towards late February and the twins were due in May. And I guess legally, like you're not allowed to ask how old somebody is or what they weigh and how pregnant are you? They weren't even allowed to (laughs) acknowledge it. They were like, just looking at me. And I found out later they were sure I was going to go any day. And they were like, (laughs) she can have this baby and we could shoot at the end of March, maybe. And then finally, one day, it became clear that th- I was never going to get this job. They just kept calling me in and staring at my stomach. So <laughs> I put myself up for another job where the character was actually pregnant. I was like, Modern Family's the better show, but I need a job, not to hold out for the perfect show that's never going to hire me. Then when they found out that I put myself in the position to accept that other job, they did a little scramble back. It said, no, no, we really want you. We just don't know when that baby's coming. And I said, oh, there's two of them. They're not coming till May. (laughs) And they were like, oh, shit. We're trying to wait you out.
1: I read that if your babies hadn't come up by May 7th, by May 9th, it was written in the contract that you had to have a C-section. Is that true?
0: No, that is not true, Alan. (laughs) I induced on May 7th. I was like, it's time, people. I couldn't walk. It was ugly. My sister is a doctor. She is a specialist in infectious diseases, HIV tb cross infection until covid and now she's saving the world but she has worked at the va and stared and i mean quite literally into the butts of some dark situations okay (laughs) and i get undressed in front of her and she goes ew ew from a doctor (laughs) who has been looking inside of butts for years she just said ew
1: There's all this press about you hankering for Harry Styles.
0: I love it. I I just wanted to get to him. Mrs. Robinson. I just wanted to get to him. On Saturday Night Live, they just had a a skit called Why Did You Like That? about like why people heart something on Instagram and all just trying to get attention and hoping to get laid. And I am taking advantage as far and wide as I can to talk about Harry Styles because maybe one day he'll reach out and be like, I heard what you said, love and he'll come a-knockin'.
2: I can't believe he hasn't called or DM'd or, or done whatever. I mean...
0: Have you seen his girlfriend?
1: He goes out with Olivia Wilde. But let's just say you wound up with Harry Styles, okay? Then you're the Janine, right, of the band. Are you going to make Harry Styles wear a zodiological sweatshirt? <laughs> what would you make him wear on stage?
0: If I was Janine, what would I make him wear?
1: Well, if you're the Janine in the band, because every band has, whether it's a male or female, they have this intruder that comes in and changes the band dynamic. So would you be a hands-off person or would you be a Janine and get your tentacles into that band and make them?
0: I think uh, it's so much worse. I'm not even a Janine and I know that this is about spinal tap, but I think I might be a Yoko, like a (laughs) black crow sitting next to him on the piano bench doing like Sudoku or crossword puzzles and then occasionally going,
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you saw the documentary.
0: I mean, over and over again.
1: Didn't they wear white
0: though? Yeah, but because of the hair... She is like the girl that comes out of the well in that movie. What is that movie called? Uh, what's that? Naomi Watts. It's The Ring. Yes. I Listen, the Beatles are so popular and their music is so omnipresent that to me it was like wallpaper. And I never really appreciated it until I saw that documentary. And then I was like, holy shit. This is not wallpaper, people. I don't no. know if you know this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me educate
2: you. Newsflash. guys
0: there's this band they're called the Beatles. maybe is it but how am i saying that right they're english they've been around for a while fascinating story no but i absolutely fell back in love with them watching that documentary much like i fell back in love with spinal tap watching the movie again
2: Can you share a professional Spinal Tap moment on the set of Modern Family?
0: I would say it would not be the set of Modern Family, but we used to have to go to all of these events to promote the show for, they were sort of internal, like the show was doing really well. So they would fly us to Vegas to meet all the advertisers and all the local station managers from blah, 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 and all the people that were buying ad time or selling ad time or whatever. And you'd get shunted from dinner to dinner, room to room, and be like, hey, guys, what's going on? (laughs) And one time they flew us on like a Fox jet to New York for one of these dinners and then turn around and go back. And you, you start to think maybe you're pretty big time and you don't have to do a whole lot. You sort of walk in and shake hands and walk out. but. Oddly, the less prestigious these gatherings, the weirder they would get. And we were taken to Vegas once to meet with maybe, I don't know, uh, Midwest regional uh, sales reps or station managers. And we are in this room and they hand out to all of us Sophia Vergara, Ed O'Neill, Ty Burrell, Eric Stone Street, me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson rainbow afro wigs and tell us to put them on and party (laughs) and we're like yeah yes sir and we're in this room and looking around and this is probably 2010 maybe 11 pre- all of us being responsible for our own wokeness but definitely no matter what it was a bad idea and <laughs> just getting that feeling and looking around and seeing these people who i love and respect so much and we all start eyeballing each other was kind of one of those things like look away look away i guess like it's at an orgy you never make eye contact i've heard this <laughs> and and everyone's trying to mind their own business and party with kevin from whatever station it was, these were lovely people, but they were just, they were trying to have like, it was more of a, the idea was more inspired, I believe, by fun makers at a bar mitzvah. (laughs) And we (laughs) we had become the fun makers with really inappropriate headwear. And one by one, you could sort of see out of the corner of your eye, this giant rainbow afro kind of being pulled down. We're like, we've got them. They're laughing and enjoying themselves now. Now can we burn these rainbow afros that we were requested to wear and <laughs> dance around in? It was deeply uncomfortable. But that was Spinal Tapian in that, don't we get top billing over the puppet show? Or no, we are the puppet show.
2: Are you sure <laughs> that you
1: weren't just at one of those infamous clown traffickers conventions in Vegas? Oh.
0: A clown orgy. Clown orgy. That's the only thing that would make it better. It was a clown orgy. Still, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. It was just... Amy's clown orgasm. Amy's clown orgasm. It's bad enough to, when you're singing for your supper, literally, and like kissing ass to people because that's part of the job, sadly. And then you don't want to look over and see someone who you really love and respect doing the same thing. It's just, it's okay if no one sees this, but... We all saw it. Yeah. Okay. So you lived through this experience
1: of clown wigs with your cast, and you were on Modern Family for 11, 12 years,
0: right? 11 years. 11 seasons. 11 yeah. years.
1: If we we're talking about archetypes, who would fit in the Nigel, David, Derek template?
0: Oh, God. That's loaded. I feel like the people that come in knowing each other are the Nigel, David, right? So uh, I would say that as far as coming in, it goes beyond the cast. We had two co-creators of our show, Chris Lloyd and Steve Levitan, and they both had worked with Ty Burrell before and were huge fans of his. And I believe Ty has remained very close to one, if not both of them to this day. But they always had a relationship outside of work and because Ty Burrell is the most even-tempered, kind he does not even know the word conflict and does not get involved. He's an amazingly chill dude. Um, he's maintained that close relationship that he came in with. Who would be the Derek? I mean, who's the chunky keyboardist? And he talks really slow and weird. That's me. I always feel like that's me. You're Viv Savage. Yeah, like I'm I have to get just my new happy
1: for this one. Ha ha ha
0: ha 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 ha. I always felt like I'm so lucky to be in this band. You know, like I would look around and be like, I didn't know a lot of them were improvers and Jesse and Eric sort of would have to fit into the Derek slot, I guess, of that third because they were so fucking funny and they were so sharp and so on it. And I was just off to the side like, I can't believe I get to be here. I can't believe I get to be here. And I would have to say that our rotating group of lady writers would be the drummers because they never lasted and (laughs) i don't know why we did have one elaine co who's remarkable and was there all the way through but i started taking them to lunch as each new female writer was hired there were not very many smart and then i started just sending them emails saying i'd love to Have a meal or a drink with you, but I'm afraid I will curse you and you will become the drummer from Spinal Tap because every (laughs) time I do, these women just go, and they're gone again.
1: Lunch with Julie is the equivalent of a spontaneous combustion.
0: Yeah. I mean, more than one spontaneously combusted, the drummers, because they talk about one and then we see one. Right. Yeah. Very good. That's exactly what
2: happens. And I suppose, does your sort of personal mantra of track with that of Viv Savage have a good time all the time.
0: <laughs> all the time. Is that parting words? That's just one bit of dialogue, Line. I think, in the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. I think mine would be don't say too much or they'll notice you have no talent. And that was me in the back, like, I'm just making my wacky faces and hoping that nobody notices that I got lucky as hell.
1: Hey, listeners, decide for yourself if there's a reason why Alex and I are unheralded musicians. At the end of every episode, we're going to play one of our songs. So stick around. Julie, you once did me a favor that will be enshrined one day in the Hall of Fame of Goofy Favors. So I have a friend in Milwaukee, Kamo, who knows nothing about popular culture. Okay. In fact, once I mentioned Will Ferrell and he thought I was talking about the guy who started the Ferrell's ice cream parlor. Anyway... <laughs> So you once came over to my house to do a read through for a pilot I wrote that was getting shopped. Mm -hmm. And I think Keegan-Michael Key was there, maybe Laura Keitlinger, Mo Collins, I don't really remember. But I do remember telling Camo he was super excited because he had a crush on you from when you were on the show, Ed. And to be frank, I didn't know who you were (laughs) at the time, (laughs) but Camo did. So after the read-through, I went up to you and asked if you would record a salacious message on his voicemail. And you did it. I did. Oh, You that's did. Fun. It was so
0: awesome. It's his treasure. What, a, what an angel. Yes, that was so nice. I'm really doing God's yeah. work. I, uh, God, what did I say? Was it really dirty? <laughs> no, you kind
1: of dialed it back because I said, Julie, you can't say Amy's orgasm on this <laughs> that's right this
2: that's mode. right yeah. way to
0: bring it around Alan <laughs> yeah it's
2: like it's a motif yeah you can't say lick my love pump either you just do not say those lick things, my <laughs> love pump
0: oddly I forgot about that what are they playing and they turn the Mach
1: piece Mozart and Bach
0: it's Mozart and Bach uh, it's Mach and it's and what's that yeah. called lick my love pump I had forgotten about that <laughs> and how earnest they all are and I forgot most of all about the love story that is at the center of it the guys David and Nigel and when he yeah. looks at him off to the side of the stage, and he's like, come on. It's as good as any romantic movie ever.
1: Julie, I think it was last summer, I woke up to a news story that said you had saved the life of a hiker. <laughs> and I remember it was kind of funny because. The story kept evolving during the day. And later in the afternoon, it went to Julie Bowen helped save the life of this hiker. (laughs) And by the end of the day, it was determined that you had nothing to do with it. In fact, I think you were the source for that iteration.
0: (laughs) Can you explain? I was hiking in Moab in August, which is, it's not recommended. It's a bit warm with my sister and her kids and my brother-in-law and my kids and We were in Arches National Park and we were going to that big, huge, cool arch. You've seen it on all the postcards. And my sister and I are walking along and very little shade. It's very hot. And there is a woman sitting down in like the shade of a bush on this path where it comes together. And as we pass her, she keels over flat on her face does not break her fall at all she's passed out and there's blood coming out of her face oh, and i don't know oh where are no. from because i'm not a doctor i'm just like bloody face we got a bloody <laughs> face and my sister annie is a full actual harvard educated doctor and starts taking her pulse props her up puts pressure on the, a face region to stop bleeding Brings her to, starts asking her all these salient questions such as, out of the blue, do you have diabetes? I'm like, how the fuck did she think of that? She's like, I went to med school, dummy. (laughs) And the woman goes, yeah, I do have diabetes. I'm like, I cannot even believe this miracle of of modern medicine. And uh, hikers are stopping. Annie gets some candy and some water because the woman needs some glucose. And meanwhile, I'm just twiddling my thumbs, and I go, are you with somebody? She said, you yeah, my son and my husband. And I said, do, do you have their number? And I, she hands me her phone, and there's zero service. It's zero. It's, we're in a national park. So I go and stand on a rock and just hold this cell phone in various positions looking for service. That is my contribution to the day. That
1: is it. we are like a human satellite dish.
0: <laughs> Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? i mean, that guy just standing there. But I finally did get through to the son. He didn't understand what it, what the text was, but it was like, come back, your mother has fallen, whatever. So they come back, and we've got the mom propped up. Minnie John was her name, and um, she's like, oh, my God, and she's bleeding, and she's got some stuff happening to her face, maybe a broken nose, maybe some other stuff, but I don't know, because I'm not a doctor. And she said, you look familiar, and she goes, have oh. I lost my mind? <laughs> so... She thinks now she's going crazy because she can't place me. And I'm also not going to be like, have you seen Modern Family? <laughs> she's like, who are you? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Who am I? So I don't want to torture her. So my sister sees that she's getting agitated by not knowing who I am because she's like, are you my sister? Are you my cousin? Did I forget? Have I lost my mind? And I, so I had my hair in a ponytail and I jokingly pulled out and go, does this help? And she goes, no. And now she's really upset, right? Because she doesn't fucking know who I am. And she shouldn't. But I'm put in this horrible position of then having to tell her because she's so distraught. I'm "I'm an actress on a TV show. It's called Modern Family. She goes, I know that. I know that show. So She's so happy that she hasn't lost her mind. But then she also says, can we get a picture? And she posts this on Facebook. And it becomes Julie Bowen saves hiker. (laughs) but very bottom sister was also there then it goes sister who was a doctor was also there and slowly the sister doctor makes its way further and further up until finally it is clear that annie has done everything i did nothing and in fact in the retelling all i did was pull my hair out of a ponytail and be like do you know who i am (laughs) which was just mortifying because that is also not what happened alan but i did nothing and annie did everything and i got all the credit Sorry, that's my dog, Gertie, barking. That's all right. Gertrude Stein. I just saw her grave in Paris. You did? Yes. Is she buried next to Alice B. Toklas, her lifelong partner? I didn't pay attention to any of the
1: graves that weren't marked in the book. God, she's you're such she's a. She's far from Jim Morrison. That's all I know.
0: <laughs> I did a horror movie in which I had to get down, bone, knock the boots on Jim Morrison's grave.
2: Are you serious? Yes.
0: Originally we were supposed to go to Paris to do it at Père Lachaise but thank god they built it on a set somewhere because if cemeteries freak me out to begin with and then to really feign it, I think it's even worse to irreverent. feign sex if you were really having sex the passion may have carried you away but like to <laughs> set up lights and like have a guy with a pole and be like oh uh, that wasn't good for sound and you're like sorry Jim that would have been <laughs> awful just awful <laughs>
2: You were in a movie called Mixtape. Yes. And being the deep thinker that I am, I was lying awake in the middle of the night last night thinking about this interview and pondering this existential question. (laughs) What five songs would be on Julie Bowen's ultimate mixtape?
0: Is this for driving alone or is it to try and get somebody to like you?
1: What mixtape would you send Harry Styles? (laughs)
0: that's so complicated because remember when you made a mixtape and it was in order and each one had a meaning and it had to be progressively like i really like you this is what i really like about you i'm super into you but i'm also backing off at the end in case you don't like me back um (laughs) okay for me because it's easier it's easier if it's just for me sure 100 percent led zeppelin over the hills and far away because i can listen to it cool all day I never get tired of it. Never. It gets me excited every time. And I don't know why. That would be number one. Um, Gosh. I would go 70s Rock. Maybe Mother's Little Helper or Paint It Black. I would only pick one Rolling Stones, though. I only pick one from each, I think. I would do "Get Back" because that documentary has gotten me so much back into that music that I was like, Ooh. "Wow!" And I'd have to say one more. But here's the thing: like, I'm obsessed with Ash, who's that girl singer, you know, with the blonde hair. Oh, she's so good. I really love her. So I'd throw one in there as a palate cleanser to bring me back, but I'd play it over and over <laughs> again too. And then the Cars, which is that weird.
1: No, songs are great. Let's go, best friend's girl.
0: No, let the no. good times roll. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Just what I needed. Oh,
2: I guess you're just, just what, what I, I needed. needed. Yeah, Daddy, yeah awesome. at the
0: beginning of it, I don't mind you coming here. Like, I wasting all my time. And time. all of these are songs I can listen to on endless repeat, which is why I'm putting them on this. This is my endless, like, the infinite drive across Kansas playlist. Last one would be Don't Think Twice It's All Right, Bob Dylan. I thought you were going to put a Kansas song on there. No, like I'm a, putting a, a, on, on Don't Think Twice. Th- <laughs> carry on My Wayward Son. Carry on My Wayward <laughs> Son. <laughs> all of those I could listen to over and over and never get sick of right now. <sighs>
2: Where can people find out more about you, what you're doing these days, your podcast Quitters?
0: Well, you can listen to Quitters podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, probably where you get this podcast. And that's what I'm working on right now. I'm producing a movie up in Canada. Hopefully, you know what? It's Disney Plus's first TV 14, and it's called Prompact. That's with Milo Manheim, Cameron Manheim's son. There you have it. Hopefully that movie's coming out I think prom season next year. We're shooting it right now.
1: Julie, thank you so much. You are fantastic. This was really fun and really good seeing you again. Thank you, guys. As we said in our conversation, Julie and I met at the preschool where one of her sons, Oliver, and my daughter, Gidget, the 911 felon, went to school. At the time, it was a very modest, wonderful little place, but nothing good stays small in L.A. And over the next couple of years, it attracted some heavy duty celebrities like Nicole Kidman, Sandra Bullock, Amy Adams, Gwen Stefani, and Haley Berry.
2: Like was there a red carpet to get into the school?
1: Worse, there were paparazzi everywhere. And if you've ever seen paparazzi, it's like a school of piranha gets infested with a swarm of locusts. I mean, it's a really unpleasant
2: scene. It couldn't have been very conducive to learning.
1: Unless what you're learning is what's bad about our society. You know, it's interesting to see celebrities with kids because kids level the playing field. Kids aren't going to kiss mom's butt because she has a hit series. The power (laughs) dynamic is totally shifted. When I think of the celebrities I've known who seem the least grounded, they really are the ones without kids. Then you have solid people like Julie Bowen, who you can email out of the blue and ask to be on your podcast, and she'll say, Sure, Alan, will you stop bothering me if I do?
2: <laughs> I love
1: her. <laughs> Julie Bowen, when we were in preschool together, she was always there with the kids. And, you know, to have a career like that and juggle it with being the mother of three sons is really impressive.
2: Yep. Good perspective. And you and Julie Bowen in preschool together, you must have been so cute as three year olds. (laughs) We'll post that photo on social. Thank you to Julie Bowen for sharing effing perspective from across her remarkable career. Want to hear more from Julie? Check out her podcast, Quitters, where she and co host Chad Sanders explore what people have left behind. To move forward. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Speaking of quitters, you can quit forgetting all the great moments in This Is Spinal Tap by one, watching the movie on iTunes or Amazon Prime, and two, listening to our Tap 11 episode, where Alan and I count down the 11 best Spinal Tap moments in the film. We got you. Too Much Epping Perspective is a Milwaukee Talkies original. This episode was edited by Gretchen Kilby. Music... By JK Harrison. Please follow, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TMEP Show and sign up for our mailing list on our website, TMEPShow.com. Although it would be as great as having
1: armadillos in our trousers, this podcast is not affiliated with This Is Final Tap and no person or entity connected with the film has sponsored or endorsed its content. This podcast is not affiliated, sponsored, or licensed by Authorized Spinal Tap LLC or Century of Progress Productions. On behalf of Alex Hoffman and myself, thanks for listening. Because Julie Bowen and I got to know each other at a preschool that our kids attended, I want to share a song with a heavy dose of vocals from my daughters, Sunny and Gidget. It's called Some People off the one and only album from my and my friend Mike Benign's band Happiless, H-A-P-P-I-L-E-S-S available on iTunes, Spotify, and Bandcamp. Hope you have a week devoid of Spinal Tap moments and if you have one or two I hope you can laugh them off like we do. See you next week on the T-M-E-P Show! Some
0: like you. Hate because they're just like you. Hate because they're just like you.